This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 33, Comic Reviews for the week of December the 5th. Welcome back to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 33. We're looking at the comic reviews for the week of December the 5th. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and uh, let's, uh, I guess, just jump right into the show. Um, we've got a lot of comics that came out this week. Uh, thankfully, most of them were actually fairly good. I was actually surprised by how many books I was really uh, kind of interested in and really engaged by, so that uh, shows it's a good week. Uh, I'm about to go on, my, on vacation myself. I'm flying out uh, December the 10th. I'm going to be Going to Florida, because I'm a big kid, so me and my wife are going to Disney World, so the uh, the next episode will be uh, Talking Hero Clicks Extra Edition, which will be going up on December the 12th, uh, that was recorded a few weeks ago, and then uh, hopefully we'll have an episode, ho- I'm hoping it'll go up on its regular day, Sunday, December the 16th, we'll be, which we'll be looking at stuff that gets released on the 12th, uh, it may be a little bit delayed as I'm coming back uh back from Florida on the Saturday, so I may not have a chance to pick up all the books and read them before we do the show, so the episode might end up being delayed a day or two, uh, so that episode might not go up to the 17th instead of the, the usual 16th. Anyways, let's get uh, right into the episode. So there's a lot of books that came out. There were some, uh, some high-profile releases, um, so we'll just take a look here. Uh, the first up, we've got Action Comics number 15. Now, Grant Morrison's almost done his run in the book, so I guess it's kind of this feeling of him wrapping things up and pulling things together. Uh, This was a weird book, though, in a lot of ways. Uh, We're getting... It's very Grant Morrison, if that makes any sense. Like, he he has an interesting take on the character, but uh, there's something about his... like. I really loved his All-Star Superman. I thought that really made a lot of sense because it was a lot of this weird quirkiness, but it was a 12 it was a finite run and it was a specific version of a character and it wasn't it wasn't a regular ongoing thing. It was just, this is this iteration of this character whereas now that he's writing a mainstream book, it feels weird in some ways whenever Morrison does write a mainstream book cuz he kind of has that weird quirkiness where he kind of needs to be in his own sandbox and he's he'll make amazing sandcastles in that sandbox but if anyone else ever comes near it they'll be like well how am I supposed to build on this sandcastle like it's it's not like you can just add some more floors he's done some weird shit with it and then you can't do anything on top and that's kind of how I feel about his his work on ongoing books especially action comics uh so this week uh action comics 15 uh, you got the creative team. You have uh, Rags Morales doing the artwork. Um, this is a, I don't know how to put how I feel about Rags Morales' artwork on this book because it's very different from what I usually expect from Rags. Um, he, his artwork here has been very different uh, than I would have expected when he was doing uh, Identity Crisis. It's a very different style. Like You can still it's identifiable. Uh, actually, the pencils here, he actually splits duties, I apologize, with Brad Walker, uh, who I do enjoy. Um, so you got just a lot of weird stuff here. You have this idea that time has kind of been fractured because of the fifth dimension, and it's kind of got this funny, quirky feeling to it, but at the same time, I I felt that in some ways that the issue went on a little long. Um, it wasn't necessarily concise, but then uh, that's usually the case. Uh, I do like that we're kind of getting a sense of this, this kind of this, um, this threat that's across time frames, that like, no matter what, kal is kind of being uh, hunted. Uh, but I wasn't totally bought in, I didn't totally buy into it. Now, that being said, I really enjoyed the, um, the backup feature, which is all about Mr. Mitzaplik. I thought that was actually quite, um, quite tender. It was kind of an interesting story of Mr. Mitzaplik falling in love, basically, and what that's like, and I actually thought that was a, a lot stronger than the main, the main story. 
Um, I still end up giving it a seven out of ten. It's not bad. It's just it's a it's very it's very Grant Morrison. If you love Grant Morrison's out there take on comic books and superheroes, I think you'll really dig this. If you're not as big a fan, then this isn't for you. So it's kind of he's 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 very polarizing. Grant Morrison. He's one of those writers that generally you either really like it or you really don't, and there's really no in between. So that's just the way that goes. Uh, so after uh, Action Comics, we've got all new Action number three. I can't believe they're already into the third issue. I mean, they're really ramping this through. Like, it's interesting. The book is slow. It's a bit slow moving. That being said, because we're already on the third issue, it feels like a lot's happened. But to be fair, three issues have come out. It's just come out within of like a month and a half. Uh, so it's just it's been really rammed together. That being said, here, we're finally getting real answers in this book as to how Emma Frost got taken. We got. Uh, you know, rescued from captivity. We're finally getting a sense that there's some something weird is going on with Scott's powers as well as Magneto's. And it just feels awkward. Like, we haven't heard anything about that since until now. Like, we've seen him doing stuff, and only now we're seeing that there's actually something wrong with him. Uh, so that part was a little weird. Other than that, I thought this was a really good, solid Cyclops story. His, his repartee with Magneto was fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next, because you have the, uh, the original X-Men ready to uh, confront the uh, the current version of scott summers uh so this actually i really dug this the artwork by uh, Stuart eminent is actually fantastic i'm really enjoying his take here uh his take on the on scott's powers when they're a little wonky and they're not quite operating the way that they're supposed to was actually really interesting and uh yeah i i, I don't know how i feel about scott summers suddenly not being able to control his powers and the idea that something happened because of the phoenix and how that even how that even affects Magneto, but I'm hoping that Bendis is going somewhere interesting with it. Um, again, we're three issues in, not a lot's actually happened. We've had a lot of setup. Um, I'm hoping the next issue is the one that really brings the meat. That's that's where everyone's that's what everyone's kind of clamoring to see. I mean, when this book was originally uh, positioned, it was that you know we're going to bring the X Men from the past and they're going to meet their future selves. Okay, fine, let's do that. The big money moment is next issue, so I'm really interested in seeing how good that issue looks. I mean, Eminem is really firing on all cylinders. Issue two, in particular, was really strong, uh, with like especially when Wolverine was charging at them at the Gung X Men when they were brought into uh, the current uh, time frame. So I'm interested to see what this is. So I, I, I gave it a good rating. I gave it an eight out of ten. It's not the best book I've ever read, but it's very solid. Uh, the ne- uh, the next book we're looking at is also one of those you know quite solid books, not the greatest, um, but that's not. A slight against it. It was it was still very solid. So that what is that? That's Amazing Spider-Man six ninety nine. Uh, I really like that the, we got the uh, fifty years of Spider. Sorry, uh, yeah, fifty years of Spider-Man uh, uh, kind of logo, and it's been shattered because uh, the idea that you know Slot and them are shattering everything because uh, you know his body's been taken over by Doc Ock. So this issue is by Dan Slot and with pencils by Humberto Ramos, who makes his return. Um, I actually really dug this. This is actually really solid uh, Ramos artwork. It wasn't too, it didn't go too far. It wasn't too cartoony. Uh, there's so many really good moments here. You have Peter Parker finding out about the lizard actually being Kurt Connors. You have him realizing because uh, he's in Doc Ock's mind, he can control the little Octobot. He puts a plan in place, and so he's being rescued by a bunch of supervillains and basically putting together Sinister Six. Really, really fun stuff. I'm I cannot wait to see what issue 700 looks like because uh, it's really been set up for a really great finale, and I'm really wondering exactly how it's going to work. Uh, next issue is 699.1, which is a prelude to uh, the Morbius uh, ongoing. So that I'm not as excited about. It's coming up, but man, I'm really excited to see where 700 goes. The storyline almost feels like 
And this is something I've always given slot credit for. He gets to the point. I mean, 698, you have the revelation. 699, you have all the pieces put in place for the finale. 700, the big finale. That's three issues. Most, most other writers would take six issues to tell that same story. He does a lot in a short period of time, and he's extremely effective and judicious in how he uses his comics that he's writing. Um, I really enjoy him as a writer, and I cannot wait to see what 700 looks like. He said they've been hyping it up forever, and after 698, I'm really interested to see where they're going to go with it. They did something where a lot of people were thinking, well, maybe somehow Doc Ock will be Spider-Man, and that already happened. So what, what other big twists are in store for us? I cannot wait, personally. I gave this an, uh, an 8 out of 10. It wasn't the best issue, again, just like I felt with old new X-Men, but it was extremely solid all the way through and very enjoyable. Great artwork, great writing, just a great book, a great read. Uh, next up is Animal Man number 15. Now, between Animal Man and uh, Swamp Thing, I'm, I'm much more enjoying Animal Man, uh, at least this month. Uh, I just enjoy the story a little bit more. It's a little bit more straightforward. It's not as kind of weird and esoteric as Swamp Thing sometimes feels like it is. Uh, so this issue, Animal Man 15, it's written by Jeff Lemire. Our work by Steve, I guess, Pug, or Pug. I apologize that I'm mastering someone's name over and over and over again every week. Um, or every month, sorry. I really, really dug this. We got the uh, introduction of, um, sorry, Timothy Green II is also an artist on pages 7 to 10. It's kind of odd. He does, he does four pages, and then the rest are all by Steve Poch. Uh, but I really dug the inclusion of uh, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade here. I never read his books, so I don't really know much about him, but this was just a, a really fun issue. You got this, this, uh, this journey to uh, you know, kind of find out what this mysterious weapon is that's below Metropolis that the animal man and his crew might be able to use against uh, Arcane. Just really, really fun stuff. I'm really liking how this journey is going as opposed to Swamp Things. Uh, and then they find Green Lantern. But which Green Lantern is this? And why does he look this way? I'm really interested to see... It, it, what I like also is that it kind of reminds me of how they've been writing Alan Scott in Earth 2. Because in Earth 2, he's an agent of the Green, so I guess... And which is a very different power source for Green Lantern as opposed to what's powering him in the regular uh, DCU right now. So I'm interested to see which Green Lantern it is and how it all kind of fits together. But so far, like, I'm really, really digging it. It's a good book. Animal Man 15 gets an 8 out of 10. Next up is Avengers number 1. Now, this is probably one of the Marvel Now releases that I was most excited about. I'm a huge fan of Jonathan Hickman. I recently, for my birthday, I got like four um, of Jonathan Hickman's trades. Uh, from his image work, so I'm really excited about digging into that, because I've been a big fan of his S.H.I.E.L.D., his Secret Warriors, his FF and Fantastic Four, so of course I'm excited for his Avengers. Uh, Jerome Pena, I'm really glad he's on a big, big uh, tier book. Like, he's a great artist. I really loved his work on Punisher, uh, on uh, Uncanny X-Force, and now he's going to be able to do something that's a marquee book. Like, this is one, a huge book, um, and I absolutely love this. Uh, so Hickman and Ropena are a great team. Just a great... The artwork is really moody, uh, but it, 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 I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it just he just is able to tap into this certain... It, it reminds me of Uncanny X-Force, obviously, because he was also the artist on the first you know, first few issues of it, uh, or for an arc or so, uh, this issue just felt like it was really important. Big things are happening. There's a reason why we're going to get a huge squad of Avengers soon when he expands the roster to, what, 18 or 24 people or something. The whole idea that the Avengers got to be bigger, and uh, this, the, the storytelling has to be bigger, the, the team has to be bigger, everything has to be bigger. And that last page when he kind of summons all these Avengers, uh, some new, some old, some I'm wondering even how they're there, 
cannot wait. And the way that even Hickman starts the book is very like, you know, the sense of, of a portent, of knowing that something big is going to happen. Uh, that we're, Again, I don't know how he's writing this, and I haven't really read a lot of his interviews about this book, but usually he's a, he's a, he's a guy who plans. He plans out his stories in advance or has this, this big, he has epics in mind. He, he functions in this way. I mean, if you read his Secret Warriors or his Fantastic Four, you know that he has this long-form plan, and then he does all these things in the meantime, and then it all kind of links up. This first issue makes you feel like there is a plan, something big is happening, and I cannot wait to read more of it. Uh, and I hope that you feel the same. I mean, I, I, if you only had to be, re, read one Marvel Now book, I would almost say pick this up. More than Uncanny Avengers, which, I mean, this feels more like a, a fresh start. This feels like a, a real fresh start for the Avengers that isn't necessarily tied into everything else that happened before. And plus you have the basically the movie cast of the Avengers quickly getting wiped out, but they're all there. Whereas in Uncanny Avengers, you have a book which is intrinsically tied to uh, Avengers vs. X-Men, uh, hugely so that it can't really function without it, and it it kind of it asks a little bit more for the, from the reader, at least for you to bring in in terms of prior knowledge to really make it function as well. Whereas this book just kind of hits the ground running, and it's exciting, and uh, it feels again big, important, uh, dangerous. I cannot wait to see where Hickman goes with this. I gave this um, you know a nine out of ten. This is just a fantastic read. That brings us to our next book, which. Uh, is uh, not as good as its main title. Uh, and of course, I'm talking about Avenging Spider-Man. Uh, it hasn't been as good as Amazing has been. Uh, it's kind of this weird team-up book, but at least this issue I enjoyed a lot more. It's written by Colin Bunn with art by Gabrielle Delato. It's not as polished as Delato's stuff has been normally in the past where I've seen it in American comics. Uh, that being said, it's still really good. It's a, it's a fun, quirky team-up story with... Uh, Spider-Man and Moon Boy and Devil Dinosaur going up against uh, what, Brainchild and his own creations in the Savage Land. It's very kitschy. It's very... Uh, and you got Demon Dinosaur, so you got another Diamond Dinosaur fighting against Devil Dinosaur. It's just a lot of fun. It's Again, it's very quirky and odd. Uh, you have Spider-Man not wanting to free the captives right away because he doesn't want them to know that he's there because then they might figure out that he's Spider-Man. So it's just got a, a really interesting story. I've enjoyed this... You know what? I was actually too hard on it. It's more than a 7.5. I give it an 8. I actually did enjoy it. I guess sometimes, and I've said this before, I read a comic and I initially and I read all my comics kind of in a row. So I'm reading like 20, 30 comics in a row. And so you, you, you and I just kind of give them, you know, certain ratings as I'm reading through. And then when I start talking about them, I realize that a lot of times I've changed my feeling. I either realize I hated something more than I thought I did, or I actually liked it a lot more than I thought I did originally. And this is that one of those cases. So I actually gave Avenging Spider-Man number 15 an 8 out of 10. Great artwork by uh, Delato. It's just not what you might expect from him. If you really enjoyed his Secret War stuff, this is not up to that level. It's still good. It's just, it's it, well, it's different. It's not painted. It, it looks, functionally, it's very different. So you get a different feeling from it. Uh, so that brings us up to Batwing number 15. I did not really care for this book. I doubt I'm going to feel any better when I reread it eventually. I like the artwork. Uh, I don't necessarily always think it fits. It's by Fabrizio, sorry, Fabrizio Fiorentino. Uh, it's written by Fabian Nassiza. Um I want to enjoy Batwing more than I do because there have been some really fantastic issues. But this issue just it didn't quite work for me. It just kind of felt like... Uh, we're hitting kind of the same story beats over and over again. 
I, I want to get a better sense of who Batwing really is as a character, and I just find that we have these issues. Well, have an issue that's really solid, and then the issue after generally will not be as solid. And then we're kind of doing this weird ping pong between good, not so good, good, not so good, great, really not good. Like it, it can't be a consistent book, and that's really frustrating to me. I want the book to be more consistent. I want to enjoy it on a regular basis. Unfortunately, I just don't think I'm there. Uh, and this issue doesn't help. Uh, I gave this a seven, uh, sorry, six out of ten. It just wasn't that great. Speaking of books, not that great. Comedian number four did not care. Uh, I actually gave it originally a seven out of ten. That was way too generous. I do like the artwork by J.G. Jones, so it's fantastic looking. Brian Azzarello writing it. He is a good writer to write the comedian. I just don't care. Uh, I like some of the previous issues. This issue just felt a little bit more scattershot. It was hard to really get a clear handle on like. Like, I guess at, at the end of the day, you have all these before Watchmen prequels, and each book has to kind of uh, stand on its own two legs and kind of justify itself. I mean, generally, as, as comic readers already, we're very suspicious of certain things. And when this was announced, everyone's like, I don't know if it's going to be any good. Is there any reason for before Watchmen to even exist? So every book kind of has to prove itself. I mean, every book already does to be proved prove itself worthy of your three or four dollars however much it might cost to buy but this has to prove itself even more because it has to prove its very existence because it's a a prequel to something that quite frankly didn't really need it or it just didn't require it and wasn't screaming out that it needed to be done uh and this book isn't kind of failing to prove itself worthy of of existing some of the other books that have been out i mean like we're about to get to it in a minute but uh before watching minutemen is absolutely brilliant and i feel like it's actually saying something about the characters i do not feel that comedian really did it kind of expanded on some points that didn't need to be expanded upon any further um so i i I originally was going to give it a 7 out of 10 and i think that's a lot of it's because of the artwork so I'm actually going to downgrade that to about a 5. Again, that's mostly because it's not even a bad story, and I want to emphasize this. As Rebel is not writing it poorly, it's just not firing for me. It's not engaging me. It's not making me interested. And that's almost worse. I mean, I'm just indifferent. I would almost rather I hated it. I'd rather I was so motivated than I was like, I'd hate this book, because at least then it would make me feel something. And this book didn't do that at all. So that's why I'm going to give it a 5 out of 10. It's not engaging at all. It, it's it's not even like it's bad enough for me to hate it. It's just there, and it doesn't do anything for me. Uh, next up is Before Watchmen, uh, Minutemen number 5. Now, this book is absolutely perfect. Um, it's just so much fun. It's one of my favorite books of the week. Darwin Cook writes it and uh, does the artwork. Uh, extremely engaging. Uh, great portrayal of Hollis Mason. Uh, and like this last kind of uh, hurrah of the Minutemen all getting together, uh, absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, extremely like um, impactful. I mean, it's it, and it feels so authentic to the time period, and that's a big thing that I, I give a lot of credit to Darwin Cook for. Darwin Cook has a very classic artistic style, and uh, yeah, and that's evident in every page. I mean, just just look at the artwork. It just looks like something that feels like the time period that the characters are operating in i love seeing night owl in action i love i love everything about this book and i cannot wait to get it eventually in trade just to have it on my bookshelf and also to share it i mean i'm a big person about the shared experience of comic books i mean i like comic books a lot but part of a huge thing that it is for me is to be able to share it with others and be like this book is really good you need to read this and passing it over to them so i can't wait to have this on my bookshelf so i can give it to some, some some of my friends and be like, you know what, I know you're probably wary about Before Watchmen, but read Minutemen. It is definitely worth it, and I would I would recommend it every day. It is absolutely fantastic. So I give that a 9 out of 10. 
Uh, next up is Blackacre number one. So this is um, I don't always do uh, releases from Image, and actually I I had a review copy of it, and I don't actually have it in front of me right now. Uh, so I'm just going to hunt as as I talk about it for the uh, creative information on who actually was behind this book. I actually really dug this though. It's um it's not really sci-fi, but it it kind of reminded me in a lot of ways of Revolution, uh, the current television series. Um, now this issue, sorry, this issue is written by Duffy Boudreau and art by Wendell Cavalcanti. Um, basically it's about, uh, a society where in the future, well, it starts off farther in the future than where the main story takes place. And they're telling a story of, you know, this is kind of what led us to be in this current, uh, kind of place. And we see that in the past, uh, eventually as the world was kind of falling apart, uh, that the United States was starting to crumble for all, all the infrastructure issues, etc. When they were crumbling, some of the, the best, brightest, and most wealthy kind of create, uh, they petitioned the United States government, and they, they created basically like its own, their own society, uh, where they were supposed to be doing like certain science and, and holding on to certain things for the government, but also they were effectively creating a closed, gated community so that their people would continue to thrive. And then you fast forward in time and everything's kind of, there's a lot of lawlessness except for in this gated community. And then that, now this issue is very much a setup issue. Uh, you have the first so many pages dealing just with the prologue and then the rest of it, you're getting in, you're introduced to the main character. However, it kind of cuts off before you really get started on the adventure. So in a lot of ways, this almost felt like a, a zero issue, but I really dug it. I cannot, I'm really interested to see where they go from here. Um, and to see what happens with these characters. Like, the primary conceit is that this character is being sent out from this gated community to find this other guy and bring him home safely. However, the last page reveals a twist that there's a lot more going on than this guy realizes, and I'm wondering how this twist is going to play in, because if he activates his beacon, he'll die. And basically, and he's not going to be able to achieve his mission, theoretically, because this person is already gunned down. So it's just going to be interesting to see how this, how this plays. And also, you have this context... Because you have the prologue, uh, you have this idea that there's a greater context to what's happening here. So I'm definitely interested to see what, what uh, comes from this storyline and seeing where they go with it. I'm actually really digging it so far. So 8.5 out of 10. This is a really solid debut. Quite enjoyable. Uh, next up is uh, Daredevil End of Days, number 15. This is a book... Sorry, end of, number 15. That's not right. Uh, Daredevil End of Days, number 3. Now this is a book I would have thought would have been a lot better... I'm not really digging it. Um, you would have thought Bendis could definitely write a book about, you know, the end of Daredevil's days. And you'd be surprised if it's really not that good. Uh, this is written by Bendis and David Mack. Pencils by Klaus Janssen. And you got finished art and paintings by Bill Sinkiewicz. Um, and then you have David Mack doing painted pages as well. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily bad. It's just, first of all, Janssen's artwork is extremely loose. Uh, so you have these wonderful painted pages, and then you have these really loose pencils by Jansen, which are not really all that good to me. Plus, it's a really short issue. Um, you got like, some these big spreads, but not a lot's really happening. And I guess that's part of what bothers me about this book is that as much as I've enjoyed some of the issues, um, you know, it's all Daredevil End of Days. Yet really, it's it's uh, not really Daredevil End of Days. It's basically Ben Yurik's last greatest big story like that's what this feels like like it's him doing interviews and finding out information about the end of murdoch's days although there's this shadowy daredevil tracking him in the distance um but i'm just not so sure about how i feel about this it doesn't really doesn't really feel like a daredevil story i mean it's about daredevil but he's not really a protagonist and you have all these interviews of people from um daredevil's life and it's just this weird kind of this is your 
I guess, you know what, now that I think about it, well, not even now that I think about it, it is Citizen Kane. Uh, you got the, the last word he spoke, and no one knows what it means. You have the reporter investigating and interviewing all of his loved ones, etc. That's fine. It just, I expected more from Bendis, because he's such a great Daredevil writer, and to have him basically rip off Citizen Kane, nah. I mean, there's obviously more going on here, and it's not just that, but it's hard to ignore the similarities, and there are many. Um, I, I originally I was going to give this, I believe, a seven, uh, seven and a half out of ten. I'm going to downgrade that to about a six and a half, bordering, cresting maybe on a seven. But it just, it, this should be better than it is, and it's not, and it's disappointing. Uh, it brings us to a comic that I did not expect to enjoy nearly as much as I did, and that Detective Comics number fifteen. Now, technically speaking, it's part of the death of the family storyline, but not really. Uh, it's written by John Lehman with art by Jason Feibach. Uh, his artwork is absolutely fantastic. Uh, I didn't realize it was his artwork, but, like, every issue here, sorry, every issue, every page was absolutely brilliant. Like, I, this was just extremely entertaining, and the the storyline by Layman was extremely good. You got Clayface on the, on this, on this kind of charge, because he's looking for, uh, Poison Ivy, who's his wife, and, uh, at the same time, Poison Ivy's been, uh, put in a, basically a box, and she's, you know, about to die, uh, really, really cool, really sad for Clayface, like, Clayface is basically, thinks that he's in love with and married to Poison Ivy, but he's not, and he, he's just been controlled by her, and it's really upsetting for the character, and it's really interesting to see, and, and this is, again, I like how this is Detective Comics, and this is Batman acting as a detective, uh, although he wears a really ridiculous looking suit here, but, Whatever, it is what it is. Um, really enjoyable. I don't know how I feel about the last page with the Emperor Penguin thing. That's kind of weird and an odd, odd decision. Uh, but you know, this is just really, really good. And even the... Uh, I'm wondering what happens after this Clayface and Poison Ivy uh, backup story. But uh, I've never cared about uh, Clayface nearly as much as I have after reading this issue. Uh, Layman does a brilliant job at really making me care. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the character. I mean, he's alright, but... Uh, he, I really cared about what was happening to him, and it was actually quite sad. Uh, the artwork in the backup is by Andy Clark as well. Both the primary story and the backup are absolutely fantastic, really good stuff. Um, if you haven't been reading this book, you know what? You don't even need to know anything of, that came before it. You just pick this issue up, and it is so entertaining, so well done, extremely good artwork. Although, honestly, Batman's new costu costume that he uses for this specialized instance does look like something that'd be an action figure of Batman back in the 90s. So, you know, take take from that what you will. But I think you you should really give this a shot. This is a really enjoyable book. And although it's part of the death of the family, you don't really know, need to know much about what's going on there. And if you just read this one issue of Detective Comics, that'd be fine. I think you get everything you need, and it's great. So I gave this a 9 originally. I'm going to actually elevate this to a 9.5. It's that good. It's that solid. Uh, next up is Earth 2, number 7. Uh, this is really, really good. I mean, obviously the last six issues have been about building up the threat of Grundy and having the uh, you know this loose, let's call them the Justice Society, although they're not called that at all, uh, taking on Grundy. Uh, now, this issue is very different. Um, you, ha you finally get some real examination of how Alan Scott's trying to deal with what's happened to him. You have a great interaction with him and Hawkgirl. Um, sorry, Hawkwoman. Um, but that's not really what this main story is about, despite the cover having having her on the cover. Uh, you know, I just forgot. I apologize. I don't even know if she is Hawkgirl or Hawkwoman. Now I forget her name. 
Is that ridiculous? I know that she's Kendra, but that's about it. Um, the, the main brunt of this issue is actually more about uh, about Mr. Terrific and he, the um, about Commander Khan for the World Army. Uh, it's really, really riveting stuff. You have the Sandman uh, core, I guess, and you got Wesley Dodds here. Uh, this is really, really cool stuff, and I cannot wait to see where they go with this. Like, this is a great issue by uh, Robinson, um, and they, the idea that they, they they found Michael Holt and they've been able to kind of rescue him from Terry Stone's uh, clutches. What does this even mean? Like, what could this mean for the rest of them to find out he's from another reality? Uh, this is just a really, really solid book. I've enjoyed it since the beginning. I remember issue one floored me. Uh, again, this is another book where I can't wait to get the trade so I can share it, but I've, I, DC is going to put out a hardcover first, which means eventually I'll get the trade, and by then, maybe I won't care anymore, but uh, it's, too, it's just too bad that their trade program is so slow. Uh, but no, this is definitely worth reading, and if you're not reading uh, Earth 2, you really should. It's really good. Uh, this issue, extremely good pencils. It's actually a guest penciler, uh, Yolda Ray Sinar with our, uh, and obviously it's written by James Robinson. This is extremely good. It is worth picking up, um, and you should be. If you're not reading Earth Two, you really should. I mean, even if you're not a huge fan of the DC New Fifty Two, this. I mean, yes, it's very different from everything that came before in terms of the Justice Society and how these characters used to be, but it's very. I like that it's its own. It's basically its own universe. I mean, it's its own. Yes, it's Earth 2, so everything else that happens in every other book in the New 52 line has no bearing on it, except for Mr. Terrific, because now he's here. And I guess technically a little bit World's Finest, but again, that kind of spun out of this more or less. So you can kind of just read this book and not have to worry about missing anything in terms of the other books, which is a rare feeling, especially when you're looking at the Batman titles where everything's crossing over into Death of the Family. It is a great crossover, but it's still massive, and still all these titles becoming involved. So it is kind of nice to be able to just have this one solid lone book that you can read and enjoy and it gives you everything you need in order to to uh, get your full enjoyment out of it i gave that a nine out of ten next up is hawkeye number five. Oh my god this is one of the best books i've ever read like the hawkeye uh fraction is just having such a such a great time with this book he's he's writing it loose but fun uh this artwork the artwork in this issue is by javier pulido who does an absolutely fantastic job. Like, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, I guess, the colorist, maybe. Uh, Hollingsworth doing a great job here. But the, the, it feels so perfectly in line with what we'd already had by David Aja in this book, where, they're, where they're, they have this real uh, David Kelly feeling. Maybe that's the stripped-down colors. Like, it's it's kind of got a matte color style, uh, which just works so brilliantly here. Um, I just... Hawkeye and uh, Kate Bishop are an awesome team. Uh, seeing what they're doing here, just and like there's a shot here where uh, Hawkeye lets loose a uh, loose an arrow, and you have this great image as it hits the glass, and it's just this weird kush kush glass, and it's just uh, even the just the sound effect is just it's just kind of this odd like you have the the arrow and you have this because you have this K glass coming out of it. Uh, it's hard to describe because uh, it's such a visual thing and. Just even um, Hawkeye jumping down and only having one shoe and he's slicing up his foot. Like, there's a lot of like really cool, weird little touches here. It's uh, full of action intrigue. This is going to be like this is a trade I cannot wait to have on my shelf. I think it comes out in March or April. It cannot come out fast enough. Uh, this is just so much fun. Like I've, like I'm a big fan of Hawkeye and I've been for a long time, but he's never been written this well 
And, uh, I mean, this is very different from what, how he was written, especially when he was leading the Thunderbolts, which is kind of one of my favorite periods for Hawkeye. But I don't care, because Fraction just gets the character. He's just having a great time with it. He's writing a stripped-down, just regular guy with some arrows, just running around, doing the good thing. And, uh, and he's been uh, approached and joined by some fantastic artists, uh, and Polito does a brilliant job on this book. I give this a 9.5 for sure. Uh, if any book this week ever was going to get a 10, it would either be this or before Watchmen uh, Minutemen, or because they're just they're just fantastic books. They're just they've got everything you possibly need right there for you. It's um, a Hawkeye is a brilliant book. You must be buying this. You don't even need to know much about the character. If you only just watched the Avengers movie and saw Hawkeye there, like you don't need to bring much into the book. The book kind of gives you everything you need to know, and it just feels like a 70s movie in the best possible way. It's just, it's action-packed, it's got a lot of just fun stuff, and, and just the artistic choices, and the way that the story is told, um, the artistic storytelling is, is off the charts here, and it doesn't matter who's on it, apparently. It's always going to look good. If you've got Pulido, or if you've got, um, oh, God, now I can't even think of his name, uh, David Aja, it's just brilliant to look at. This is This is the book you need to be reading. Uh, next up was Iron Man number three. Not 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 horrible. Um, the artwork is not quite to my taste. Greg Land, I I used to be a big fan of Greg Land back when he was on, uh, doing Sojourn, back when he was at CrossGen. I've enjoyed some of his stuff in the meantime. I mean, he definitely has a certain f- flair. A lot of it depends on the colorist, I find. I don't know if Guru FX is quite the right uh, colorist or if Jay Leeson is necessarily the best inker, although I think he's inked a lot of his stuff. Um, I find... Part of the problem is with Greg Land's depiction of Tony Stark, it changes a lot in terms of the facial uh, hair, etc. It doesn't quite fit in a consistent manner. Kieran Gillen is definitely writing, this is Robert Downey Jr., and I guess that's kind of the way it's going to be forever now. As long as people really enjoy the Iron Man movies, uh, no one's going to be writing Tony Stark in any way where he doesn't feel like the one from the movie. That being said, he, he nails it. He does a good job of it. He does definitely feels like Robert Downey Jr., especially when he's eating his microwaved, quasi-grilled cheese on toast. Um, but no, I mean, the the writing is actually very solid here. The artwork is not the strongest. You know, I'm actually, I think I was a little too hard on it. This is much better than the last issue for sure. You get a nice battle with the new version of Firebrand. Uh, you got him against the new version of Vibro and also against Living Laser. Um, you have him using like a modular style armor so he can use the stealth suit so he can just track down more extremist stu- enhanced styles. Now, I mean, at the end of the day, Kieran Gillen is playing off the Armor Wars theme in a big way. This is basically Armor Wars 3, although instead of it being his armor, now he's after, after the extremist enhanced style, but really the idea is there. Um, that being said, this was really engaging. It was enjoyable. I'm going to give this actually an 8. Uh, and the end is kind of bittersweet uh, how Tony feels about the fact that Maya Hansen's dead and she could have saved people she could have saved lives whereas he's still alive and yet all he did was create weapons while he was in his 20s really really good so I actually I'll give this an 8 out of 10 I was too hard on it next up is Punisher Warzone number 2 this book was not nearly as strong as the first, and I think part of that is that the last one felt like a national, nat, uh, natural growth from the Punisher series that Greg Rucka had been writing. This is still really good. It's still Greg Rucka writing it, and Dia Domenico is a brilliant artist. Um, it just felt a little bit grander than what I wanted, um, mainly because I loved that like it was the Punisher was in New York and doing his thing, and now here he's kind of all over the place because you have... Uh, Black Widow going after him and basically hunting him down and then having these great confrontations. That being said, extremely good to watch. Uh, this is very cinematic. It's 
even the Punisher just being like, you know, I have, you know, I don't have friends. Um, there's some really good stuff, and I'm interested to see what will happen in the next issue when it looks like Thor is going to be smashing his hammer right on Punisher's face, which, to be honest, shouldn't last long. That being said, we've seen Punisher outrun the Sentry before and out kind of think him and being able to get away from him. So, you know, maybe it will be quite good. Uh, this is still very solid, uh, a great capper to uh, Greg Greca's run on Punisher. Uh, we're still seeing Rachel Cole Alves, and uh, I still love that they're calling her, you know, you know, Rachel Cole, and she's like, you know, Alves, I took my husband's name. I like that that's a huge part of her character, because as someone who's engaged, who's had the level of trauma that she's had, um, losing her husband on her wedding day, um, yeah, it makes sense that she'd want to be like, no, I've, I've taken my husband's name, like, I'm everything was about revenge and she got it but she's a broken person but it she still has these these some of these character traits which are still so interesting to see um so yeah i gave punisher warzone number two an eight out of ten next up is red she hulk number 60 man i'm loving red she hulk and i did not think that i would say that um i'm really enjoying it uh jeff parker's doing a great job on, on the writing i mean it's just so good uh I, I don't know how to describe it. It's just, it's just a really, really uh, snappy read. Uh, I actually like how she's being written. I love how Machine Man's been written here. I mean, that and that's that's one of the things I really loved here. Machine Man is absolutely just like so cool here. Um, so that that's a huge piece of what I really liked against about this. Uh, that being said, uh, what I also liked is that we're seeing Nikola Tesla, which is a uh, a character who is from Jonathan Hickman's Shield series. So seeing out of nowhere, like the uh, kind of a, a tie-in from that was really cool, and I love seeing that. I mean, it's like when I was watching the uh, or reading the New Avengers tie-ins to um, uh, to AVX, and you had uh, Leonardo da Vinci show up, and I'm like, that's so cool because like I'm a huge fan of that book. So I love that they're not forgetting that um, that they're actually showing these characters still. Uh, so this book was just really kind of trippy and fun. Uh, Carlo Pagula, Pagulayan and Wellington Niles were their uh, pencilers who did a really, really nice job. Like, I really like how they depict uh, Aaron Stack. It's just, uh, the artwork is fantastic. Like, and I love, like, I liked Aaron Stack when he was on Next Wave. I liked how he was written there, but I also really like how he's been done now. It's a little bit more classic, but there's still some snark to him. Uh, he definitely has kind of more embraced the Android uh, aspect of his, uh, of who he is, but, uh, no, this was a great book. If you're not buying Red She-Hulk, you really should. Like, you would not expect it to be as solid as it is. No offense to Jeff Parker, but, like, I came on to the Red She-Hulk book not really knowing much about Betty as Red She-Hulk, not even knowing, knowing if I really cared, and then being absolutely floored by how much I enjoyed it. And that just continues with this issue. I mean, it's this issue is even better than the last. Uh, this is really, really solid stuff. I gave that a 9 out of 10. Uh, as we're uh, heading into the, I guess, the stretch here, we got four books left. we got Swamp Thing, Thunderbolts, World's Finest, and X-Factor. Swamp Thing, not a huge fan. I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. As I said, Animal Man is kind of telling the parallel story, but I find it a lot more interesting. Scott Snyder wrote this with Marco Rudy doing the art. Um, I do like that cover, though, with, um, you know, you got uh, the idea of, you know, Swamp Thing's going to Gotham, so he's cl- uh, striking a classic pose, but... Uh, he's not Batman. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm not a huge fan of where this story was going. I, I like that we finally 
have uh, a little bit more uh, of movement in the story because you have Swamp Thing going to Gotham and going to the Batcave and finding what, ha- what I guess what has happened to Batman and then finding uh, uh, an ally in Barbara Gordon. I'm just not a huge fan of the book. Um, it has a different sense of flow than Animal Man and not in a good way. Animal Man, just such a solid like march towards this feeling of impending doom but something big is going to happen whereas this book just feels a little bit more scattershot although there have been some really solid issues as i think last issue in particular was was pretty good but this issue really didn't do much for me uh so i gave that a six and a half out of ten next up is thunderbolts number one now this is a book if it was purely if i had read the script for it i probably would have given it an eight i i enjoyed it although it really was a zero issue because not much really happened you have thunderbolt ross putting together a team but you don't really see why you don't see why what he's doing to really, like what he's really putting it together for, or how a lot of these interactions even happen. He just kind of shows up in the middle of all these really dangerous situations for all these characters. Um, that being said, that was it was pretty engaging, and I'm interested to see how it all works, and then uh, how we're going to see this, you know, this Thunderbolts team. But uh, so Daniel Lane did a really good job on the script, uh, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, kind of intrigued to see how all these characters work together because. They do share some similar method, methods or methodologies or just ways of thinking. That being said, the art is by Steve Dillon. Steve Dillon I am not a fan of. I do not think that he's... I know he's done Punisher before, and I know a lot of people really like his work on Punisher. I found that this is he is the wrong one. If this had been a book by Mike Diodato, this would have been a 10 out of 10. I mean, even though it's a little bit light on substance, as I said, it is a zero-feeling issue. Uh... I think if you'd had a great artist on this, it would have nailed it. Like this would have been really exciting, over the top. Like this would have, this could have been a really uh, just powerful issue because the script is there. You just really need a good artist to pull it off. Unfortunately, they went with Steve Dillon, who's the wrong artist for this book. The fact that I'm even going to give it a six and a half out of ten, it's basically a five, uh, five on art and um, like uh, I guess an eight on story. And that's bringing it down to a six and a half. Whereas if you'd had a better a better artist, I actually might have even bumped it up a little, as I said, to like a nine, maybe even a ten if it was Mike Diodato. So this just didn't really work overall. So I give this, as I said, six and a half out of ten. Next up is World's Finest number seven. Talk about books that are a little inconsistent and don't quite work the way they're supposed to. Uh, so this is the Hunter's Power Girl uh, team up book, basically. I really do like Damian Wayne and. Uh, Helena Wayne teaming up together. Uh, their part of the story was much more interesting than watching Power Girl because Power Girl has not really been made into an interesting character at all. She's got one of the worst costumes in comics. Um, and yeah, it's just, it just doesn't work all that well, which is unfortunate. But uh, Paul Levitz wrote this. You got Kevin McGuire on art. Um, yeah, it just uh, could be better. And that he did the Hunter sequence with George Perez doing the Power Girl sequence. Uh, I I really like George Perez, but here I actually, I mean, although the colors were a little bit more vibrant in the uh, George Perez uh, panels, I found that story so boring that I actually ended up thinking that I actually enjoyed the Kevin McGuire artwork a lot more. Although he had the uh, the inf- more inf- not the not as good colorist, I guess, <laughs> slightly inferior. Uh, still good, but not nearly as solid. Like if you look at the, the pages with Power Girl on them, like the the, pop, the colors just pop right off the page. But then if you flip and you go back to the power, uh, the Huntress uh, pages, the colors are nowhere near as vibrant. And that really killed it for me. And I was kind of confused as to why that was even the case. Uh, so I gave it a 7.5 out, seven out of 10. It was, it was okay. It could have been better, but it was still pretty good. 
that's how I feel about X Factor 248 by uh, Peter David. Um, again, could be a little bit better, but and the artwork by Paul Davidson is not quite as good as seeing the artwork by uh, Leonard Kirk. But I actually really, you know, I, again, I'm, I'm looking through it because I was like, ah, oh, it was all right. I'm looking through it. I'm like, no, no, there's some a lot of really good stuff here. You have Pip waking up and being in the body of M. What does that mean? You have the prerequisite, you know, you're in a, a hot body, hot woman's body. You gotta start undo, unzipping your costume, and then, wham, you get punt, you get slapped in the face by, you know, the real person that you're inhabiting the body of, having a little bit of control. Although what I didn't like in the artwork is that pulls starts to unzip the costume, slaps in the face, and then the next panel you have him smarting on his face, like uh, holding his chin or his cheek, being like, "Ow, oh, that hurt," and the costume's totally zipped up. So that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's a weird little nitpick. Other than that, this is well, this is a fair bit of fun. You have uh, Jamie Madrox and uh, Layla Miller coming back, and they're worried about how the team will take them being married now. You've got the other team trying to figure out how to how to put Pip back in his body, and a discussion over the fact that Pip's brain is actually uh, basically where his heart would be. Uh, pretty good stuff. I mean, not as solid as the past issue, few issues have been. I give it a seven and a half out of ten, though. So it's still fairly good stuff. Uh, so, the books I didn't get a chance to get to were Deadpool number 3, which, to be honest, I was not upset that I didn't get a chance to read it because I didn't really dig what we've seen so far. Uh, Ultimate Comics Ultimates, that's the stupidest name for a book ever. Uh, 18.1, didn't really care or get a chance to read it. X-Men 39, I have not read that in a while and don't really want to, so I apologize for people who are still following that book, although it's about to be over, so at least that'll almost be gone. Uh, Dial H number 7, I read one or two issues and I, I think I tried to read the zero issue and it just didn't do anything for me so I'm like you know what I'm good I'll stay away uh Ferris number 10 I'm reading that in trade so I didn't want to that's why I didn't read the single uh GI Combat number 7 Green Arrow number 15 Human Bomb number 1 Phantom Changer number 3 and Stormwatch number 15 obviously there that is a lot of DC books that I didn't end up reviewing but to be honest I mean there's there's 52 bu- uh, books that they publish a month and not all of them are going to be winners and not all of them are going to be ones that can really make myself read at the end of the day. So I, I read a lot of them, but there's are, there are some where I'm just like, you know what, I'm good. And I started reading Phantom Stranger, and I really didn't like the artwork. I think it was by Brent Anderson or Brent Whiteweiser. I feel like it's Anderson. Uh, and it was just a little too scratchy for me. So I said, you know what, I'm, I'm good. I'll pass. So anyways, that was our episode. So this was episode number 33. So it's comic reviews for the week of December the 5th. As I said, uh... Make sure to stay tuned in the next few days as uh, we'll have our Talking Hero Clicks Extra Edition podcast showing up on the 12th of December. On the 19th of December, we'll be having our Talking Hero Clicks December Edition, so the regularly scheduled uh, Hero Clicks episode. And then uh, I think we'll have one or two episodes uh, before the end of the year, not including the comic reviews episodes. Uh, obviously, those those come out every Sunday. Um, anyways, thank you for joining us for Comic Shenanigans. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. If you want to send us an email or have any questions, concerns, anything you want to let us know, uh, you can send our, any emails to uh, comicshenanigans at gmail.com. Uh, if you want to comment on any prior episodes, like our last episode, which was the top five favorite forgotten characters, uh, we want to hear about it. We want to hear who your f- top five favorite f- characters are. So let us know. Send us an email. You can also like us on Facebook. Uh, we're now on Facebook as well, Comic Shenanigans. So thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll be sure to see you next time.